Hey, so do you want to hear Luke's thoughts in Toddlerland? I have a reason why I think Moana can be way better. Or we can talk about why you quit your job. No, 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 no. Let's talk about Moana. Okay, so Moana's a terrible... No, we'll I'll get that later. Gomer, you, you quit your job. Yeah, man. This is so weird. It, it is super... Anti-work. Anti-work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, so uh, last Tuesday, I went into my pastor's office. I had requested a 15-minute uh, meeting. Won't take any longer than that, I promise. Uh, okay. That's what I said. And he, he came in, and we, we finally were oh, able to meet. Sorry, to be clear... Gomer quits his job at the parish, not on this podcast. Everything's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah no. no, some people were thinking that I was. We were just doing that to no, try to get no, people no. on Patreon at patreoncom CF to come in to watch us live, which you can get if you are a patron, and you can get in on a very special, cool thing we're about to do—a mm. beta test, if you will, for our patrons only. Anyways, go on, Michael. Michael. <laughs> yeah, I know. Ew, I feel gross. I need to shower. No, you're fine. You're fine. Everything's fine. It's all gonna die. So. A handful of months ago, well, I'll, I'll save that later, but yeah, basically I walked into my pastor's office and I just said, here's the deal. He's, he told me to take a seat and he goes, man, I hate these quick little meetings. I said, yeah, why is that? And he goes, well, I always feel like my employees are going to quit. And I go, oh, because I am. And he just goes, what? And I was like, uh, yeah, seriously, I am. Uh, that's as good a segue as any. We sat and he's like, well, what are you thinking? I said, well, this is what's going on. I'm kind of at that place in my life where I've been doing parish-based ministry for 17 years. Ah, that means that 2005 was 17 years ago yeah ish and uh there's a little time off there where i tried to start my own business called layevangelist.com a website seen by turns dozens. out well, the greatest thing to come out of that my idea my idea <laughs> yeah. all luke all the time <laughs> sorry sorry please tell us tell us your story gomer <laughs> i'll tell you my truth and my truth is simply this yeah i i just said that it was a random occasion. A guy, listener of the show, fan of the show, Jamie from Paradisius Day, also known as That Man Is You, sent me a text saying, hey, I got this guy who wants to do a, a conference. Can I give him your email address so that you could do it for him? And I said, yeah, sure. And then I jokingly said, are you guys hiring? And he said, are you serious? Dude, Mark's going to call you tomorrow. Set aside some time. And I was like, oh, oh, no. And now I knew I was at college with Mark. Good dude, Mark Hartfield. Do I know Mark? Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't was know he there when Mark. we were there, or, or was he there during round two? He was a basketball player. No. <laughs> no, he was there. He was a freshman when I was a... No, he was a sophomore when I was a sophomore. He transferred mm. in our sophomore year. So, anywho, he called me up, and we began talking. He said, what are your thoughts? And I said, look, I love doing parish missions. I love traveling and speaking. I love giving talks. And I really, really, really love parish. And doing like missions and stuff so <laughs> not working there but missions yeah yeah well, uh, i like um, when they come no, and hear so me talk for three hours straight yeah 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 and but sometimes that, luke drops no, me no. off <laughs> those were fun times no so basically i just said i would like to do parish missions and i see that you guys don't offer it what if it was a cool like mutually assured destruction no mutually mm, beneficial arrangement where you sent me to you advertise me to your 800 parishes and you said hey we got this guy that can do parish missions and he can do men's conferences would you like to hire him and then i just went and did it and you gave me health insurance and you paid me a salary they're like oh okay and i was like wait what and he's <laughs> like yeah i think uh, i think we can maybe make this work and so the the salary is kind of like a safety net it's not nearly enough 
money. But the idea is it's a base. And the idea is I have to basically earn commission <laughs> for I got to go out and hustle and get my all my real actually family living mm-hmm. money on top of that. <laughs> so patreon.com slash CF, everyone. Patreon.com slash CF. <laughs> So you're not wrong because this is what it enables me to do. This is what it enables me to do. Go on. I'm going to work entirely from mm-hmm. home, entirely mm-hmm. remotely until I travel. When I'm traveling, I'll, you know, prop up that man is you, which is the main thing that I'm kind of working with, but there are other stuff too. But then also, you know, I can meet benefactors while I'm out, do the little Luke Carey hustle as it's known around my mm-hmm. condo and, uh, you know, meet people. They're like, would you be open to like maybe meeting some of our, our donors, our benefactors? And I was like, yeah you go out and have coffee on your dime with interesting people yes i will do this thing isn't it great (laughs) so much lots of like i know right and so and they're like well okay so what you do for us is we become basically a giant funnel for you to get gigs you go and do the gigs we don't want any money out of it we don't you you can tell them what to pay you you can do you handle all that stuff but yeah when we will do a handful of events we're not an event centric kind of thing but you come to our events, and that's it. I'm so happy for you. And I'm like, awesome. And, and you be in our videos. And I'm like, I love doing the videos. It's like two videos a year. And I'm like, yes, I will do this thing. So I said, so basically what you're saying is you're going to pay me to work remotely to do the side gig hustle stuff as my full-time job. But that also enables me to do catching foxes and every new <laughs> <show that>. <laughs> <laughs> Catching foxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it enables that's me true. just to be yeah, home yeah. and to do this. Like so, I so teach this your is the kids poetry. Thing. Oh man, so much poetry! Oh man, right now we're going through a big Shakespeare thing. Nice. It's nice, nice, it's nice. Have you gotten to the? I mean, I'm not. You got to the though. part where you have to skip over parts of the Tempest because of what he's actually referring to. Uh, no, not game. yet, not yet. We're in much ado ah. about nothing, which I bought the movie, and the it's starring Keanu Reeves, oh, oh. Denzel Washington, and that one guy that. Every, Hey, I know previews aren't a thing anymore, so no one knows what you're talking about. That, At least Gen Z will be like, what's Gomer doing now? In a world. <laughs> they know what that is. No, they, they know don't. what in no, a they world don't. is. No, they don't. They do because of watching mm. YouTube videos of old things. <laughs> you got so mad at me And Guitar there. Hero. And, and Guitar Hero. Ah, <laughs> uh, nice. Well, I'm yeah. thrilled for so you. Anyway. I'm so happy for you. Yeah, dude, this is going to be a game changer, man. Number one, I get to sleep in. <laughs> Number two, I get to produce podcasts during the day. Number three. Does this mean that we get to drink more? This far as like, here's open. I mean, here's I open. got my seltzer water. I got my here. hydro flask because I've got to go to Fort Wayne still. Oh, uh, is that tomorrow morning or tonight? Yeah, yeah. Or, tonight. I, or right, right after I have this. a big thing oh, there no. tomorrow at like seven thirty. So, Ooh, girl, be yeah, no, it'll be good. We should not have done <laughs> no, this. What are you talking about? It? We, no, it, it's it's fine. It works. It just. Everly had to hurt some tube thing in her ears. She had to have, have some slight yeah. uh, surgery. Very easy, very quick. It was under t- 10 minutes. So I uh, couldn't do it yesterday. But I did get to watch a lot of Disney movies over and over and over again. So Everly has this thing. And I don't really get it. Cause, like, so her daycare has no screen time. And mm. like both her and I don't like. There's like a core group of films that we have. Everly, wait, hold on. Are we done? Do you want to, do you want to um, say more stuff before I go into? Well, I mean, I think I don't that you don't give it this. No, I, I do. I, I mean, do. oh, I'm. You could not have paid less. I'm attention. sorry for trying to keep this content machine going. Well, I, we oh, let's just go to the chat real quick. We got supporters of Lay Evangelist. Awesome. We have do to do. Wow, Gomer, this sounds pretty perfect for you. Gen Z here. 
Ah, it's scrolling and I can't see it. <laughs> he quit the parish. Yes, oh, I did. Darby, uh, don't, don't let me down like that. Yeah. Darby, Darby. See, she's a Gen Zer and, and she gets much ado about nothing. Yeah, it's hilarious. So, so yes, I did just answer your question. Yes, I did really quit. So my last day is on May 8th, but I'm going to keep doing all of my inclusion classes until they all become Catholic on May 21st. So there's a handful of Thursday nights that I got to get that money. And I'm talking to the senior pals on May 13th. Oh, that's, that's, that's our, always fun. Our old folks group. Yeah. Yeah. They let, love let me, me tell you what I miss the most about working for Glen Mary was my great tour of America's very nice nursing homes. A lot of our our supporters were there. I had like there was this one. This is one of my favorite things in, in the world. This one fantastic donor. She had a group of friends, and they would. I'm gonna run out a room during the dinner for, and they could each, and they would like trade off bringing a presenter. So she had me come oh, to yeah. uh, talk about Glen Mary. So I just talked about Glen Mary to like 14 or or 16 different people while we ate this in this wonderful um room, room eating great food just talking and i was like what is this i kind of love this i can't wait to retire to a nursing home this is amazing this is a very very yeah. nice nurse yeah yeah i know a young young ish woman who is she's an orphan she's special needs and so some rich uncle gave her like five million dollars oh, awesome. so she just lives in a nursing home that's like for the very 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 wealthy and i go over there to try to teach her a little catholicism here and there and uh it's been a lot of fun but she, <laughs> you walk in this nursing home, you're like there's like six feet of exactly molding. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I was like, there's so much crown molding <laughs> yeah so i'm done i mean man for the first time in 70 so i'm super nervous oh, you should right? be. like yeah thank you <laughs> i am freaking out in terms of of, of doing that'll be okay i'm also super excited because it's like all my excuses though of why I haven't written a book, and why you haven't done this, and why you haven't done that. Why haven't All you that got is rid going of Luke out the window? No, no one says that. And if they do, I'll break their hip. <laughs> but no, it's serious. Like so much of what I've been doing is so divided, mm. right? Mm-hmm. My efforts are yeah. just constantly being fractured and fractured yeah. and fractured. And so, you know, what suffers? Catching foxes suffers. Everything Shabao suffers. You know, and I'm not going to make Saint Anthony suffer because that's my full time sure. job. So everything else has to give. And, you know, we've talked about this before, like my dad at the end of the day of working, you know, 50, 60 hours at Texaco and then Shell, um, he didn't come home and then blog and then have a podcast and then have a brand. He was home and no matter how tired he was or whatever, he just he was just Don Gormley. He was just dad. You know, he didn't have to be anything else. Yeah. But because of you uh, blood sucking whores out there. You need to leave. I have. No, I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> of your. T- that's a bit of questionable desire uh, for more content. <laughs> content, content. I'm content. so happy to give no, it to but you. But because of this, yeah, because of this, I'm actually able to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm able to do this with my energy and not what's left over. And I'm able to be a dad. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the important part. Like, not to get, like, we sometimes do the podcast sin of getting a little meta where it's just us, we make our show about the show. But if I get a little yeah. a meta for a, a second, but if I could do that very yeah. thing. We were very close to stopping, right? Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Like, I think we're the closest we've ever oh, been. Oh, yeah. And one of the things was I think, I think there, were, uh, there were a lot of things at play. A lot of them were my problems. But uh, <laughs> it's not funny if you don't laugh, Gomer. No, I did uh, laugh. <laughs> no, but. And then, and then Bria in the comments said, look, we are blood-sucking whores. 
who pay. That's <laughs> patreon.com slash the F. And I was like, all right, that's a really that's good, good point. No, no, that's but it, 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 uh, yeah. it's just funny. Like, anytime I feel like we've tried to, we've tried to move this beyond a podcast, anytime we've tried to almost like, I don't know if pull back is the right word, but like, I feel like God just like continually calls us to keep doing this. And for some weird, weird, weird reason. Like, and both of our lives now have, we've had these major career changes that have actually enhanced yeah. our ability to do this. Yep. So, yep. Sorry, I'm American Catholicism. Sorry, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> With apologies to American Catholics everywhere. It's just for some reason. Yeah, but it, it, mm-hmm. I'm, I am very happy for you. I'm happy for this of a show. I'm happy for uh, your family. I'm, I'm happy that you get to be home more. I think that's very important. Yeah. Um, you know, as I've been, you know, just taking care of, of Everly a lot, it's on my own. It's been like such a, you can't replace that. You can't replace that time. You just can't, yeah. you just can't. Cause it, it's, it's, you know, I, I keep thinking about that. One of our oldest episodes was we talked about when I realized like I could count on, like if I kept up the pace I was, that I was up seeing my mom, I had about a month left. And how that's like tore me up inside, and now that has changed dramatically, <laughs> but like for for the better. But like you know, like your the 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 vast majority of the time that you're going to spend with your kids are between the time they're born and the time that they or that they leave the house, and that's it. We've got 18 years of real like quality 24 hours a day. You're always going to be dad. Obviously, I mean, my poor mom. I didn't. <laughs> I've, I've asked her of multiple times. So did you think that, you know, we we're going to be just this like needy still when, you know, your son was 40. She goes, eh, kind of. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, I saw it. But, like, but oh, that's, damn. but that's okay. how it goes though. You know, like yeah. you're always, it's like, you don't ever stop, but it, it, it takes on a yeah. different form. And that being there every day, like I'm making their lunch, doing their laundry, even though my mom still does mine and like clean my entire uh, kitchen when she, she was on blast in town. It was great. She, <laughs> She gave me a little bit of like an like an um, eye roll. I was like, "Fine, I'll take care of this." <laughs> I was like, "Thanks, Patty." <laughs> <laughs> she and the stove was uh, so clean. But no, but that is you only have a certain amount of time. It is finite, you really. And do. so the fact that you get to have a job now where you can increase that time, particularly during the day, that's really nice. That's yeah. really really nice. So I'm very happy for for you, particularly during the day when I'm homeschooling mm-hmm. dad. You know, they're here. They're a part of, they're part of this, you know, and for so much of what I've been doing, you know, I wake up early because whatever I do in the morning, I want to have it done before my kids come down. The Inevitably, my son Noah will come rocking down the stairs first at around 630 and then, and I've already finished my first cup of coffee. Usually my wife is up at six, so I'm up a little bit before her and we just get to sit down me and her and get to have alone time and then around 6 30 my son noah comes down and then i get to spend time with him and we talk about nothing and everything and all the things and it's just it's just awesome and then i have to you know then i go to work obviously everyone has to do this right and there are always compromises that 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 jobs make you do so i'm going to be traveling a lot Mm -hmm. more which means i'm going to be gone in the evening Mm. but i'm going to be gone a fraction of the time because I'm also going to be working from mm-hmm. home. And when you add it all up, it's like a matter of weeks more, even with the additional yeah. travel, uh, uh, you know, in terms of hours at home during the day with my kids, 
it's weeks worth of time per year that I'm going to be being, uh, that I will be with my kid. And as I get more and more established as a speaker and whatever, I'm going to set, this is one of the things that Chris Stefanik, mutual friend, J.D. Flynn, about five years ago when I was thinking about doing this, he, Chris Stefanik was coming to Houston. He said, hey, can you pick my buddy Chris Stefanik up at the airport? I think there's a parishioner that he, you know, he's going to meet up with and do a thing with. He wants, do you want to talk to him about being like a professional Catholic speaker guy? And the advice that he gave, number one, that guy talks a mile a minute. And the advice that he gave me was, I almost destroyed my marriage by taking on too many speaking gigs. So what I said was, if you want to hire me, it's a Wednesday. Hmm. And he said, and wouldn't you know it, I lost a bunch of gigs. I lost a bunch of opportunities. Then I gained a, bun- gained a bunch, and I'm only gone Tuesday night, and I come home Thursday morning because I do a Wednesday thing. Yeah, and so my hope is that you know a parish mission is either two-day or three-day, that I can just have it be like Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, because that enables me to travel, to be at home on Sundays, which I value greatly now, mm-hmm. and I rarely, rarely was able to do Particularly that. Particularly when your kids are older, too. Like, your role as a father kids tend to they really uh, lean hard on their mom during the first you know 10 plus yeah. years and then in junior high and high school it then becomes the dad and so and your kids yeah. are now in that stage because you and your wife are old so it uh i'm not but uh yeah so it's it's right. super important but yeah no i mean particularly like the aarp thing is that is i mean it's it's already it's already That's come real. the mail once so Actually, come <laughs> she said it to me the first time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like, "Did Luke sign me up for this? Did Luke sign me up for this?" I'm like, "Babe, I just think you're that Which, age." I mean, she's like, "I'm not 55," and I was like, "I think it's 53 that they start soliciting me." She's like, "I'm out of my 50s." Did Luke sign me up for this. I wish I had. It would have been genius. I know that's the perfect insult for her. For her. Yeah, so it's cool, and I'm super excited. Although, can can I say some awkward things that have happened? Can I do? The yes, I, I do here? have one more thing about parent okay. stuff, but uh, it can wait. So my so a guy walked into my office and he said, "So how's it going?" And I said, "Oh, it's going great. It's going great." You know, I I feel like week one after you know talking to my pastor and and letting word get out, it was it was interesting because it felt surreal. Right, it felt surreal. Like seventeen years of my life has been, in a way, you can say, preparing for this moment. Right, and so I kind of started. I was freaking out a little. The fact that, like, I've talked about this before of going solo and having a speaking career and focusing on doing all these other things. And honestly, it was your your job switch plus chit chats that I've been having lately with Dave Van Bickle that just eventually pushed me over. Dave was like, "You are." Not to speak like crudely about this, he's like, but you're just leaving tons of money on the table when you do parish mission. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, you don't have a book, you don't have anything that you sell. He's like, I could go on a parish mission and sell out of everything that I bring. And he's like, that's like two mortgage payments. Mm-hmm. He's like, you're not doing any of that. And I was like, well, I can't. sometimes, and honestly, like thinking through this stuff and processing this stuff, sometimes I feel like a super fake dude by having mm-hmm. work. Yeah, no, no, I just do totally. And I like, cause there are too many parish sh- mission leaders where they're like, they don't care about the, the, the place that they're going to talk to. It's like, no, this parish mission is my book by my book, which will be available at the back of the room for a nominal fee. Katie McGrady had a really good post about this. It was on Twitter. It was really more about products, but I, I think it's in that mm-hmm. same vein where there's, there is a tension of that, of, um, yeah. 
of that consumerism. And I and I I, I just want to interject of oh, this part really quick, if you don't mind. Please um, do. And then then I I do want you to continue your point. Is it? But what I'm trying what I what I want to say is that Dave Van Vickle is right. You are leaving a money on on the table, and I think it is very okay for you to want to make more money. I do yeah. think that there's a tension there, but it's a good tension because you have good things to offer. You have gifts and you're a super talented. Like one of the things that like your wife said when you, when I was at Notre Dame, I think you had interviewed her. It's one of my favorite episodes. And one of the things that like she, I think one of you had, you had our patrons ask a bunch of questions. And I think one was like, yeah. what, do we not know about Gomer or, or I forget what it was, but she just said how you're, you really do have a heart for people to come into or to have a deeper experience of the Catholic church. And I remember pausing when I heard that, cause I was like, she's 100% right. Your heart bleeds for that. And we need people to go and do that. And for you to do that, well, there are really um, two things here. One is, um, there's a lot that, that goes into that. Speakers and books are a part of it. They're not even the biggest part, but they are a, a part. And we need people to do that, and we need people to do it well. And I deeply believe there are people who are called to do that, and I think you are one of those people. The tension is when it stops being at, at, at the service of that, of them coming back into the church, and just becomes about buying this um, thing that you know could help. But it's okay to, I, I think it's, uh, I, I, and this is what I, I think Katie was trying to pose a lot of really great questions. And I've been, I'm thinking about a lot that I think that is, a, it's, I would be worried if you weren't, if you didn't have questions about that, but it's okay to live in the tension. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. And that's where I'm, that's where I'm living. You know, Amy in the chat here, she said, it's not the new evangelization if you're not making money on the new evangelization. And I totally forgot that quote, which is why I love our fans because they remember the, it's not the new evangelization unless you're making money off the it's new true. evangelization. But yeah, you know, the, the two most famous motivational speakers kind of for businesses, Zig Ziglar and John Maxwell, they're like the old school guys and they have hundreds of books probably between them. And the, the story, I think I've told this before where they're, they're in a limo, they're being driven to the airport after a huge event. And they said, you know, we're known as public speakers. And John Maxwell says to Zig Ziglar, what do people, when they write you mail, when they give you letters, what do they thank you the most for? And he says, my book. And he said, yeah, me too. Isn't that funny that we're known as public speakers, but people thank us mm -hmm. for our book. And they realize kind of in the back of the limousine, chit-chatting about this stuff with other speakers, that books are like talks that travel with you in your life. Like you hear a great talk, cool, but how do you kind of let that talk live with you? that's what a book is for so i'm all in favor of that i used to absolutely despise canned talks and then i started doing parish mission and i realized that like my parish mission in case you don't know is called that one thing and the whole purpose of the mission is to help catholics repent that's mm -hmm. it it's all it is it's to help catholics repent and it seems like it's all this other stuff but day one lays the groundwork like Really, who is God? Is he a judgmental jerk who's just waiting to punish you? Or is he actually your father? And did Jesus really die for you? Because if he died for you, then all these other games that we're playing are stupid. He doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. And so you start to think about it in those terms. 
then it's like, and God already knows your worst sin, so why are you holding it back? So then day two is all about what's that one thing, right? What's the one thing in your life that if you could push a, push a magical button, it would disappear tomorrow, and you would be better off for it? What's that one thing? And I spend the whole dang talk going through possible one things for people. And the thing that brings my heart the most joy is I had a woman walk up to me and she said, I haven't gone to confession in 30 years. I just went to confession tonight for the first time in 30 years. I have been going to daily mass and receiving Holy Communion for 20 years. And I never should have. And I did it because I, I felt so guilty. So for her, the way to overcome her guilt was to receive the Eucharist, even though she felt guilty receiving the Eucharist, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, her whole life, she's this model parishioner. But she's had this ache in her heart that had never been addressed. And going to confession is, was the thing that released her in her relationship with God. You know, mm-hmm. And it's like, for me to be able to be a part of that thing for someone else is the greatest joy, right? The fact that someone can say that, they like, I came to your talk, and now, because of going to confession, I now feel freedom from this, this lie that I've believed, or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Like, I mean, like, think about it. Like, when do we get to do that with mm-hmm. people? You know? And so, anyway, yeah. uh, uh, the ability that, like, maybe I can do this on a wider scale, you know? Maybe. Yeah, you know, and the hard thing is, the way I've rationalized this move into speaking and leaving a parish is, well, number one, I'm, I'm a part of two parishes. I'm a part of St. Anthony's. I'm a part of Presentation of the Lord. I am absolutely not ceasing to volunteer. I still do stuff all the time, and I will continue to do so. So I'm still a part of a parish mm-hmm. community. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not just some hack who's going around talking. So I'm still discipling people. And, uh, hmm, yeah. So the question was, when's going to be the last day at work? And I've been praying about it. Maybe July, maybe June. I had a bunch of summer gigs lined up, that so I'm not hurting for income for the summer months. So uh, I was at a parish mission in Peoria, Illinois, where Archbishop Fulton Sheen is, and they took me on the tour of the Fulton Sheen Museum, and I had forgotten my love of Fulton. Happens to the best of us. I know, I know. And when I'm there, it just stood out. I mean, like it's one of those like charismatic moments where you feel like you get a word from the mm-hmm. Lord, and it was his birthday was May 8th, and I was like, that's when I'm quitting. Huh. That'll be my last day. Interesting. I thought they were going to say yeah. you were Mary's favorite, but yeah. Nope, nope. Turns out it was Fulton Sheen. <laughs> nice, nice. You know, he wanted to die on a Marian feast day, and he died on, on December 9th. He's like, the Lord's going to look pretty foolish if I don't die on a Marian feast day. Is that the Feast of the Immaculate Conception? No? No. That's the day after. Oh. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> nope. That's awkward. Anyways, you were saying about how my jo- how I inspired you? So, you're... No, no, no. Because <laughs> going from... You had a jobby job. Mm-hmm. And now you have a cool mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. And... You have a cool job with people that I, I knew in the Catholic space and I love and admire. And I thought, you know, when I, th- when I think of these people, I think like, why am I not doing stuff like mm-hmm. this? Why am I playing it so safe? And then you got this job. And I started thinking. Thank you, Spoke Street Media. Yeah, Spoke Street Media. And I just started thinking about this in terms of like, yeah, Absolutely. This is the, there are so many opportunities out there. And, and honestly, like there, there are patterns of stuff at the parish life that I'm just like, you know what? I fought the good fight. I've mm-hmm. done my, I've run the race as far as I can run it. It is going to kill me. Yeah. Yeah. Every one of the people that work for me and work with, I 
am going. You know, I don't know if you know this. I was about to say, yeah. Employee. How are you going to um, handle um, going from many, many, many employees to none? To not even managing myself well? <laughs> yeah. uh, that's a good question. <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> hey, honey, I'm going to be locked in an office with the internet all day. Good day to Shannon, you. Help me. I will be sure to clear my history before I come down <laughs> Shannon, for dinner. Shannon, if you don't inter- intervene, me and Luke are probably going to go to jail for tax evasion and fraud through no intention of our own. But <laughs> No <laughs> intention. Ooh. Darby's right. I'll have my children as my employee. They already cut the grass. It's fine. No, but like the the when I actually broke the news to them two weeks ago, they started like crying, and I was not expecting that. Mm -hmm. And so part of my discernment was like, oh dear, I am leaving these people Mm -hmm. whom I love. Yeah, I need to think about. It's not just about me. That's a painful experience. But then each one of them came to me and said, "Listen, I'm going to miss you, but you got to do what's right for your family and for you." And then I just looked at them and said, treat yourself. And I quit. <laughs> you know, I'll never forget on my last day at the Archdiocese, Sarah Rogers wrote on my whiteboard in like huge letters, goodbye, loser. <laughs> I was like, thank you for expressing your pain by tearing me down. So, yeah, yeah. nice. Oh, well, I'm very happy for you. I think it's I think it's very cool. I think you brought up a super interesting point, which is like my fear is my disobedience. Yeah, that's very common. I think that's very, very common for a lot of people that like we, you know, we just, our emotions, we just, you know, they're not reality sometimes. And so we think if we experience fear, often we think it's be, it's a good thing. And there are times when that's true. I mean, don't go down this, this dark alley at times. There are very good reasons for that, <laughs> but it really can paralyze you. You know, it's like, yeah, we've, yeah. I mean, who hasn't heard the line? There's a reason why one of the first thing that Christ says is be not afraid. You know, so good for you. Yeah. And there, you know, Shannon was the most afraid. I'll never forget this. When I told her that I was really thinking about it, she's like, I know you, you want something new. She goes, but our kids have stacking medical. Mm-hmm. She's like, so when we do, this, we need to do this prudently. We're not quitting because things are bothering. Us. Right. Things are uh, bothering <laughs> us. Yeah. Yeah. Things bother us, which maybe give us a new perspective, but that's not why we quit. We quit because we know that we're called to something else, not because we're just running yep. from a dumpster fire or something yep. like that. Yep. And so what I did was I, I, I had an old audio book that I've had for years. I've had it for about, I think, eight years. This shows you how long I've been thinking about doing this, <laughs> this whole thing, which is... Never change. Yeah, yeah. And the audio book is called Quitter by John Acuff. And it's about, he said, how to let your day job fund your dream job or something like that. And the whole thing is like, don't quit until you're ready financially to step out don't be stupid don't put your Mm -hmm, family mm -hmm. in jeopardy don't put your your savings in jeopardy like when you quit make sure that you're stepping from a good place into Mm -hmm. a good place and so i listen to that book over and over i would take walks and over and over just listen to it be like talk me off the ledge because you know there were some hard moments but they weren't about me i keep saying that to people they weren't about me they were like loosely affiliated with me but other things were going on that were somewhat troubling, but it was like same old normal parish stuff. And I was just sitting there thinking like, how many more times is this cycle going to wash, rinse, and repeat itself? I'm not not faithful to the Lord. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just went when I was, you know, saw your example, talked to Dave about, you know, this is, he's like, Gormley, I don't understand why you didn't do this five years ago. You know, like all those things. I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm actually in a position to do this, to fully stop working and, and 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 the funny thing is the amount of people that have thrown 
jobs at me incidentally since then was kind of shocking. One person asked me to lead a men's ministry and they said, how much money would you want in order to do it? And I threw out an absurd six figure number and they said, I think we can make that work. And then I kind of laughed and I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> and then I was like, no, no, I'm not being called yeah. to do that. Maybe in a year, <laughs> but right now I'm called to stay Maybe in here, six, eight months, but here. yeah. Yeah. Wait till that first uh, major hospital bill comes due. Yeah. One life. YOLO. Truly though. Thank you. Uh, whoever, who, who invented YOLO? Was that the internet? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Or some cool rap. Well, have a good night, everyone. Woo! Luke, tell me about Disney movies and your daughter. So Moana's terrible, and it'd be a much better film if it wasn't about her trying to disobey her parents and go and do her own thing. If it was about how they had no ability to go off of the island, and the only person who the water would actually allow to go off the island was her. And so they had to make the difference. She had to make the choice to go and to um, save her um, people. And they don't want her to go because they don't want her to die. But also, if she doesn't go, they're all going to die. And for some reason, that the, the water only allows her to go. It does a couple things. It takes out all like 20 minutes of crap. And it makes it just a much more interesting film as opposed to like, find your heart. Yeah. Which is just like, I'm just yeah. kind of done. I don't, I don't just, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. Every Disney movie. Is your pants are stupid? Go go follow your heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I get that because it's like a a movie of puberty. Basically, it's like, all right, now you got to be your own boss. You got to do this. Right, the balls have dropped. It's time to go. <laughs> but uh, we're gonna have to for the plot device kill them. <laughs> Good luck, <laughs> orphan. <laughs> oh, the parents, not your balls. Sorry, I apologize. I, I misunderstood that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your parents, not your balls. <laughs> Hey guys, what's up? This is Luke. I'm here today to talk to you about Decided Excellence Catholic Media. Decided Excellence is a print media company that specializes in community and parish magazines. How about that? Magazines making a comeback. Through local business sponsorship, Decided Excellence is concerned with bringing the good news of Jesus Christ to homes and highlighting the actions of the body of Christ in the local community. So props for that. Parishes partner with Decided Excellence Catholic Media to produce a monthly magazine that is sent to parishioners and Catholic-affiliated homes in the parish boundaries. Decided Excellence trains your staff to organize content from the parish, and it really shouldn't be all that too much extra work, so that's always a plus. They wanted to highlight that in there, so make that note. Every magazine's centerpiece is a family from the parish that the parish wants to spotlight, this is also an opportunity for parishes to feature their own original content in evangelization and catechesis and to highlight the various ministries of the parish. Extensive Decided Excellence Library, which has articles from Bishop Barron, Scott Hahn, Relevant Radio, PrimeSoil.com, and much more in the event that parishes need additional content. Decided Excellence does all the designing, editing, and mailing for you. That is huge. That is a big, big time saver for you and your parish the bulletin is available to people who go to mass or search it out online the parish magazine is the only way to reach 100 percent of your registered parishioners because of our professional design team and production team the parish magazine is superior in beauty and quality our magazines are open kept read and shared and this is why a parish a magazine is a great supplement to the bulletin. There are parishes all over the country who have created parish magazines, and parishioners love them. The magazine communicates the good works of the parish, 
strengthens community, and has even brought parishioners back to Mass. How to bring one to your parish. Check out decidedexcellence.com slash parish and fill out the information form. Once again, that is decidedexcellent.com slash parish to fill out the information form. One more time for the old people in the back, check out decidedexcellence.com slash parish and fill out the information form. There's tons of possibilities that you can do here, and it's great for you to talk about that with fellow parishioners, parish staff, and the priest at your parish. You can flip through other magazines to see what their magazines are like by going to decidedexcellence.com. Again, that is decidedexcellence.com. Thank you to everyone at Decided Excellence for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. Okay, so, Gilmer, would you go to a gay or a wedding if it was a person in your family, say like a sibling or something? No, I love all of my friends and family. And I, I have brought many gay people into the church and baptized their babies, but no, I wouldn't. I, I don't think I would. I think I think I would. I, I don't I don't know what else to do besides just I don't know. I, I think I would. You know, whenever people send out invites to weddings, there's tons of people that can't go to the wedding for whatever reason. Yeah. And it's okay to not go to someone's wedding if you don't want to go to No, 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 no. I no I don't and yeah. It's not a wedding. Yeah. That's the problem though. Not yeah, a wedding. I understand. I mean, the, the church has actually said this is gravely sinful to be a witness at a wedding that is not a wedding. What do they mean by being a witness? Like, actually attending? You're being a witness. You're witnessing the wedding. Like, attending. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like you're someone signing a piece of paper. But that's what makes this stuff super difficult. That's what, you know, dad's getting remarried for the third time, and he really wants you in the wedding. And you're like, dad, you never got your marriage annulled. Like, you can't go. That's brutal. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Right? That's fair. But that's the same thing. The same rules apply. Right. And it's really hard for in a culture. This is why, like, you know, call me a culture warrior all you want. That shocked me. <laughs> but you call me a culture warrior all you want. But the reality is. Have you seen is, the like, turn that you took in 2020? <laughs> it, was, it was after everyone called me Satan for um, <laughs> that, that, that made no difference. But the, the reality of, like, what we have, what, what marriage has become. Whoever's at fault for it, I don't think it's any one yeah, reality. Yeah. But what marriage has become in America is a travesty and a joke. And like the more you get exposed to people's thoughts on marriage at all and child rearing at all, like it's weird. Like the only the very yeah, whatever. You, you we all know this. No, right? I, so I, I think this is like this, this is, is the conversation. This is very difficult. Make, yeah. This is very and I think people who are I, I think two things. I think people who are either like who let me be very clear about this. People who are Catholic, who are hardcore angry at you right right now, should just like really think long and hard about this. Because if this is not easy, and if someone lands on the opposite side of what you think, like just be okay with it. Just be okay with it. Like I I, I have a I have a very difficult time with people that get furious when about these issues that are very tense that are that are very hard that are not easy things to try to navigate that think it's okay to put someone on blast because they come to a conclusion that you don't agree with i just i i have a super difficult time with that i think that's i think it's beyond wrong i think it's so i I think it's like borderline sinful to be honest with you because it just it's so disrespecting to the person to everyone involved 
to the like the reality of sin, to the reality of choices having consequences, to would you rather have someone just completely like write it off? And be like, nope. Like, I, I don't know. I just, I just like, I can see the agony in your face. I can see the intention, but I also yeah. like see the conviction. And I think that's, I, I, I understand. And I, yeah. My stance is, I mean, I don't have a stance. It's, I, I can only attend weddings that are valid weddings in the eyes of the church, which means two Jews who are getting married. That's a, that's a natural marriage. Mm-hmm. Right, two atheists who are getting married with the justice of the people—that's a natural mm-hmm. marriage. But a Catholic has what we call canonical form, which the Church imposed 500 years ago and took about 180 years to work its way through most of the churches. And now it's it's essentially the the for the last 200 300 years it's the norm that you have to get married in front of an official witness of the church, unless priest or deacon, bishop, unless you have a dispensation from a bishop as to why and this stuff happens all the time that people are put in very difficult situations because they were raised in a household where they weren't super catholic Mm -hmm. you know mom and dad weren't super catholic but they were Mm -hmm. catholic and the kids are less so the kids are almost always going to be not always but almost always going to be less religious than their parents and then you have the kids the parents who have that catholic guilt like now you're getting married in the church then you have the kids who are like i don't care you know and then you have their Catholic friends who, you know, you have to choose. And this is the thing that I, uh, so I had to give a talk for the, that man is you video on suffering. And so I kind of developed the theme a little further for every new show bound. I did it this morning, but it's like, if you go through the eight beatitudes, almost all eight of them are suffering, right? Being poor in spirit, meek mourning people who hunger and thirst, those who are merciful, you're merciful because people are mm-hmm. hurting you. All that stuff, like, blessed are the persecuted, those persecuted for righteous sake, for there's a kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men revile you and insult you. It's, it's the state and condition of the Christian life. And there is this weird game that I play in the back of my head, which is the church will only be successful when the church is popular, right? And it's a game I play, and I play it often. I call it being winsome when I'm trying to evangelize people, where I go full chameleon and adopt their actions, attitudes, behaviors towards certain things in order to not be dismissed. Because then I tell myself, then I have a, a foothold where I can be heard. Sometimes it's a smart move most of the time for me. I'm not talking about anyone else. Most of the time for me, it's a compromise. And what I realize is I'm afraid of being uncomfortable and pushing people away. And so I adopt their views because I don't want to suffer. And there's totally a thing, and I'm not talking about being a jerk. I mean, yeah, I yeah, am yeah, never yeah. a jerk to yeah. people when it comes to evangelization, except to Jesus, right? And I just hope that he forgives. But like all of my, all the people in my life who are atheists, practically or actually, when I talk about the faith, I almost, almost always do it in a way, or I can be very guilty of doing it in a way that that is for me to avoid pain and suffering. And Francis Chan just had a bit from a video about this. I watch that video and I'm like, yeah, this is, this is the funny thing because I tell people all the time, you can't be free from sin if no one tells you what the sins are and asks you to repent. And I do this all the time. And this is the, this is the, the problem of our age when we are, when the church doesn't shape culture, right? Church is not the culture shaper. The tendency is to minimize the difference between the church and the world. I do it all the time. <laughs> so here's where I am with that. I've been through this once. And there were a lot of factors that were at play that I'm, I, I'm not, it's not my place to say 
on this podcast what what they were. So that being said, yeah. we went to a priest. And we said, "Here are the factors. What do we do? How do we handle this?" He's like, "This is very tough." <laughs> and and he was he this was a really holy great priest that we loved. I'm not saying that it's a case by uh, by case um, basis, and I am very okay if I make a decision. And Gomer, if you don't agree with that, and you think it is wrong for me to make that decision, I need to hear from you. And I think you need to hear from me. And I think we need to be okay. Like, we're in a post-Christian culture right now where there's, there's hostility towards Christians, but really it's more Christian ideas. And that's the hard part. Is like, mm-hmm. it's, for the most part, like, really, I mean, you see a lot of crazy crap on line but for the most I, I'm, there's definitely a rise in anti-omotheism who knows what that's going to lead to but taking out the online dis discourse the tensions with the ideas right. and then what do i do when this when this thing happens here and part of that is we need to be okay with the people who are in our community telling us that we are doing the wrong thing or that's not a good idea or i or right. i don't or i don't agree because one thing that i find myself going to is like, well, it's my, it's like my decision alone. It's not theirs. And I, I don't know if I agree with that. It is just another example of this attitude we have, which is I'm the one who determines everything about my life. And that's just not true. Say what you will. I will always be Everly's father. I can't one day just go, I don't really want to do that. I've decided that I'm not. I can never talk to her. I can um, never pay a dime for her. I can never see her again. But it will never change the fact that I am her father and I have obligations to her. I may not fulfill those, but I still have them. Right. And so I, I, I have issues with like self-autonomy because it's like that's not really Christian. You know, now there, there is this thing as like, I don't know if I'm using the, the no, right word. That's exactly autonomy. Yeah. Autos nomos means in Greek self, autos, auto, and nomos meaning law. I am a law unto myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Right. That's yep. what that means. I make the law. And as Christians, the closest thing we have to autonomy, if you want to get fancy moral theology terms, is participated theonomy. Ooh. Theonomy, theos, theos nomos, God's law, participated. I participate in God's mm-hmm. law. And I was just saying this in my class with my Protestants becoming Catholic, full inclusion. I was just saying to them, there's plenty of stuff in Catholicism. That is a, an essential component of Catholicism. I just taught a class about Mary. And I was like, that you might not understand and that you legitimately might revolt again. Like, it might be revolting, like disgusting. And I had a guy that that was his thing with Mary. Like, statues with candles and painting and St. Louis de Montfort and all that stuff was revolting to him. And I said, I get it. So how do you overcome this stuff in your journey to Catholicism where you're convinced of the papacy and the Eucharist and the other sacraments? So the church has to be this one true church, but it's teaching this weird thing that mm-hmm. I don't like. You have to do two things. Number one, you have to admit that you, you don't know everything. And I have to admit that too. I mean, there is a sin of certitude when it talks about my own knowledge. And uh, one of the things that I hate about Christians is how we become incredibly doctrinaire and love to shove this stuff down people's throats. I don't think that that's my tendency. I think my tendency is the opposite. Minimize differences, maximize drinking together. And how? But on the other hand, on the other hand, right? When we talk about this view of morality, if the God who made me actually loves me and desires union with me for all eternity and has written his law 
on my heart and in my very nature called the natural moral law, then that means that it's not just some imposed thing. It's something I participate in. It's actually wisdom, Mm -hmm. right? And I might not like that, right? My emotions are in one direction and my intellect apprehends something true and good in another direction. And that's what makes living the moral life so difficult. Like you might know in your head that pornography is wrong, but that's a totally different thing knowing it versus not wanting to actually look at pornography, right? Like we all know this. Mm-hmm. We all <laughs> some of us know it better than others. We've uh, known it for years it. and years and years, <laughs> decades even. Right. I mean, this is why this is. It's funny because like sexual sin and drug addiction are like the two go-to examples because they're so on the nose. They're so like in your face at how people choose to do self-destructive behavior, even though they know better. And one of the reasons they're the Hitlers of bad behavior. <laughs> they are the Hitlers of bad behaviors. But one of the re- one of the reasons why we do it, you know, there's addiction and all this stuff. We just had a uh, a listener reach out to us um, through the website, so it went to my email. But he is uh, an addiction specialist, and he was like, "I would love to sit down and talk with you guys." But one of the things that I that 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 causes addictive behavior is, well, my emotions and my desires are all over here, and they're being gratified all the time by this thing. Then I find out it's wrong. And my will is not even close. My intellect might acknowledge, okay, I see your argument, theology of the body, okay, whatever. But my emotions and my desires have been formed. uh, They're still over there. So I'm actually going to resent the law. I'm going to hate the law. I'm going to be uncomfortable with the law. And then eventually I'll become comfortable with it emotionally. And then eventually I'll see the good in it. And not just see the good, but choose the good willingly. And then eventually, and this is what virtue is, not only that I, I know it's good and I choose the good, but I actually like it. That's, what I'm, that's the step of virtue is I actually like doing the good thing. And until we get to that point, it's gonna be, we're going to hate it. I'm just going to kind of bring it back to this topic just a little bit. But I think yeah. those, those are, that was really interesting. It adds another layer of tension or it just makes it that much harder, I guess, through tension, that we, we have to navigate this stuff constantly. And I, I think there's... I just I think there's a danger in having a binary response to all of this. And right. here's what I mean by that on like all sides. So I agree with like okay, let me just use this other example. I think it's probably a little bit of a better one. Last May I was invited to go to a um, wedding from one of my best friends from um high school who's been incredibly like supportive throughout to me this past year. She is a lesbian, got married to her longtime partner. I was invited. I was going to go. I didn't go just because it was more of a of a scheduling issue, and I wrestled with that. And I just kind of thought, you know, I know that like she knows where I stand. She's known for years where I, where I stand. She's seen me go through the agony of conversion and my existential Luke stuff. You know, she's she's well versed, <laughs> and yeah, she she's, gets, yeah, she's, she gets. she's been around. And I was like, I don't like. I love her. I love her tremendously. Like she is a sister. I yeah. really, I have known her since I was eight, you know, like eight or nine. Like I really love this person. I don't know how, I'm like, how could I not go? Even if I may have some dis- like disagreements, I'd rather be there on the with her during this. And I don't know if it's, I don't know. Like it's probably it my, I don't know if it's right or not. I really, really don't. And I'm, I want to hear the criticism. I, I, I want to hear on um, feedback from from that my problem is when it just becomes like 
there is no detention. It's very clear what what the answers are. I just don't yeah. know if I if I agree with that. I might be wrong with that too. But the main point, actually, that I really I want to make is I feel like the people who should call me out about that, it's you, it's John, it's Adam, it is Kevin Hyder, it's my but like Nick, it's the people who who know me very well. Now, caveat: we have a platform that we're trying to get people. To do so, we are we are opening ourselves up to public critique, and that's fair, fine, sure. But I, I just sometimes have a problem when people that I don't know, who don't understand what's what's going on, will then put me or other people on blast because of a choice that we are making that we are trying to wrestle with. Yeah. You're living in like in the tension, and you're doing your best. I'm living in the tension, and I'm doing my best. We're all trying. Yeah. There's no need to tear each other down for coming to a conclusion that you don't agree with. Right. And, you know, one of the big things for me in terms of the whole gay marriage, the whole homosexuality, everything, LGBT, all this stuff, is, uh, you know, a good buddy of mine who's been chased and active in Catholic ministry and he's doing all the right things and he's living, you know, a chaste life, like heroically chaste. Okay. Uh, he is a person that I deeply admire for what he's choosing to do. One of the things that he said to me was, you know, I exist. I have these desires. They have never gone away. I am such a stereotypical uh, homosexual man in that I like show Disney tunes and show tunes. And like, he's like, I'm scrawny. I've never liked sports. I've always enjoyed feminine activities. Like I've all my friends are girls until, you know, you guys and all this stuff. And he said, but this is what I realized. He said, even the Catholics who understand that I'm totally chaste, and I would say in certain cases more chaste than anyone who's criticizing him. He said, they are almost like gaslighting. I said, okay, tell me how. And he's like, well, I know that I make their life and their faith more difficult by just my existence right and he said i don't want to i don't mean Mm -hmm. to he said but i also you know i didn't choose to have these desires and attractions i didn't choose Mm -hmm. it he's like i wish you know i wish i could be normal he said but this is what i am He's like i can't change that he's like and i think some people really 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 wish either i could change it or i wasn't around and I'm like, yeah, that's, I totally get that. Like, that's, that's the thing that kills you, right? That's the thing that'll drive you from the church. It's not, it's not the church's teaching on homosexuality. It's the people who accept the church's teaching on homosexuality don't, and live it, don't actually feel accepted by other Catholics. And that's unbelievable, right? That's what I never want someone to feel like. Totally. And this is where I actually think it's super important, though. I would actually really like to talk about this with Eden Invitation. To hear, like, yeah. I think cause we are like, I know that people are going to think this is me being woke. It's not. It's just, it is a reality that we are <laughs> two straight white dudes who are having this conversation again. Right. <laughs> like, like yeah. and it, it just, like, we're coming it th- through that perspective. It's not that that's an invalid one. Right. We've never had to deal with it in the way that they've had to deal with it. Exactly. Yes. 100%. Yeah. And I, one of the things that I have actually kind of changed my tune on a bit is, I, I've seen some people start to push back a, a, a bit against using certain a, a language like same sex attraction and just being like, just call me gay or something like that, or just, you know, whatever. And I, yeah, 
I kind of understand that because I think it gets to and this my and this this guy that you are I'm, I'm talking about he might I'm not agree so I don't want to I don't want to assign that to him, but it it does feel like it's kind of the like same thing of just like it's like well I won't call you that but I will say this and it's like I've, I've heard some people just like it's okay just say gay like like we all know what it means <laughs> like you're it's it's like you're not like it's it's almost like. I'll tolerate you, but only like only in this form. Only in this form, and that's the thing that yeah, I, yeah, and I, and I that's I've seen a lot of people say like comment about like, but I, I, again, I'm I know there's a lot of, of different opinions on this, and I think there's a real this is like in the line of when the church talks about this, I forget how it goes, but it's basically like this is an approach that there needs to be a ton of respect and a ton of charity, and I tried so fucking hard to make my that my am disposition with this i really really do because like there are people i deeply care about who are gay and and yeah. i do not and i know this friend of yours that you were talking about I met her before she's awesome yeah oh my gosh she's so much fun yeah and it, it just she's like she has been there for me throughout this past year in ways that i'm just like i love you so much and yeah. i i'm okay with it looking poorly to other catholics because I cannot, I have to try. I have to try in a way that's just not like I'm just going to draw a line in, in the sand. Like I don't agree with Matt Fratt's approach for like some of the words that he has used and you know his verbiage. But I'm not going to say he's wrong for doing that either. But I could never do that. It's it's part of trying to figure this stuff out. Exactly. Exactly. Because it's like I know I know what God. I know what the Catholic Church clearly teaches about sex. Sex belongs between a husband and a wife in lawfully contracted marriage. It should be a consensual act or expression of love. And whether that love is manifested as emotional desire for it or duty and respect and mutual self-gift, all of that stuff. But sex only belongs there. Lust has no place in it, right? And for the church to say fornication and adultery are types of sexual sins. I know plenty of fornicators and adulterers. How do you think it goes if you say to people, you're a piece of crap for being a fornicator before you got married? Like, what does that do? How does, yeah, we all have sexual desires, right? We all have, we all have things that have run amok within us. The difficulty, though, truly becomes when we understand the social rant, because I think this is part of our hurdle loop. And this is something that, like, I don't know any way out of it except just keep moving forward. But part of our hurdle is not only is the church conceived of in an individualistic, subjective way, right? But so is our sin. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we can, like, (laughs) the the part of wokeism that I have always said I agree with. (laughs) uh, You hear me, Catholic Twitter? Brother ass. Damn brother ass. But um, the part of wokeism that I always said that I agree with is this understanding of there are a ton of profound moral truths that exist that can only exist instantiated in community mm-hmm. and that there is a thing called social structures of sin or social sin. And that doesn't mean it's social sin. When we say the word social sin, you know, institutional sin, whatever, what we mean by that is it's an analogous attempt. Just like calling original sin is not really a sin. It's an analogous use of the term sin because sin is something that's predicated to a person who committed an act. It was a mortal sin for Adam and Eve, but original sin is analogously a sin to us because it's not predicated. We didn't commit it. We inherited it. That's something 
fundamentally different in the world of hmm. sin. Well, there's also structures of sin that are evil. And the social ramifications of sin, I think these are things that we don't really, like the church in her thinking apprehends this way for the centuries and centuries and centuries, but because it came from a pre-individualistic era, but we don't. And so part of this is the changing of the definition of marriage in the 20th century and obviously the 21st is a structure of sin, right? That's one of the things, like the changing of a definition of marriage as essentially something that is a legalized domestic partnership between two consenting adults. Essentially, that's a, a big enough understanding of what marriage is to kind of get everything. That is at root here of most of our problems. Because from that, you have all of the, the diseases that are anti-marriage in modern society. But we don't think about marriage in terms of its social thing. We think about marriage in terms of its individual thing. So, you know, the, the number one thing in the pro-gay marriage debate in the early 2000s was, you know, people would say it devalues marriage. And it's like, how is the fact that Bill and Bruce are banging each other down the street going to lead you and your wife, you know, to get a divorce or going to leave you two to you know, devalue your marriage. That was a very, you know, all, all the pundits were saying stuff like that. And you realize like, yeah, because they don't understand the social reality of sin and they don't understand the social reality of moral conscience. And that's part of wokeism's response to a lot of our radical individualist morality is there are social dynamisms at work. Societies actually exist that outlive and mold individuals. And that matters. I think we handled that one pretty pretty well <laughs> i think we did an all right job i think we did an all right job uh, uh. <laughs> but like i mean this is the tension that i want us to be in this is like i i i've said this a thousand times but like where else can we go but here yeah i, I just i don't know like where else where else to go yeah so let me let me end with one one more comment it is your show thank you Thank you. Well, I do want to throw out some some good comments from the chat. Nat said, totally 10 minutes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, where else can we go? We have the words of eternal you have life. You have the word of eternal life. Nice. That's a good point. I do. Uh, yeah. The Because you're good in certain areas doesn't mean you get to be bad in other areas. Because you're good in liturgy doesn't mean your church, your parish, it's to be assholes because you're really welcoming doesn't mean you get to be terrible at liturgy, right? You have to devote yourself to the apostles teaching and to the prayers, to the fellowship and the breaking of the bread, right? Acts two forty two. We have to devote ourselves to all of these things. There is no contradiction in devoting yourself to what the church teaches, apostolic teaching and to fellowship community. And my problem is, so many of Catholic lefts and righties divide the church. Well, the right-wingers, you get apostolic teaching, and you get the liturgy, and the left-wingers, you get inclusivity and fellowship, and maybe like prayerful expressions and stuff like that, personal devotion. Like, this stuff is nonsense, and we all know this is nonsense. But how often do we do that when it comes to our sins, right? I don't struggle with your sins. Therefore, I am free to condemn you, because I've exempted mm -hmm. myself from this great pool called humanity is filled with sinners. And I don't struggle with that. Therefore, it's impossible for me to put myself in your shoes. 
And so because I'm not putting myself, it's because I'm not practicing. And I know these freaking buzzwords and they're used too much, but because I don't exercise compassion and empathy, it's so easy for me to dismiss you and vice versa. You don't struggle with my sins. You don't know who I am. Right. And some of our sins are socially acceptable and some of our sins are not. And it's very easy to condemn people to hop on that. And it's just as much groupthink as it is anything else. We can hop on that bus and make the, the bombastic words and condemn people to hell and say all this stuff. Meanwhile, we are mortally sinning. And I, 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 uh, I was on the verge of a confrontation with, with an individual who prides himself on being super moral, right? All the things. He has all the boxes checked for his Catholicism. And he's a terrible, terrible man. He, he is prone to violence. He belittles and abuses verbally his family, right? His kids, his wife. And he has permission to do this because he doesn't struggle with other sins that aren't socially acceptable in his circle, right? And that's what bothers me to my core is sometimes I compromise my ability to be a good witness to the gospel. Because I don't want to become the jerk who excuses his own sin. Because that's how the devil wins. Right? The devil doesn't win when we are achieving uh, greater and greater virtue. The devil wins when we excuse our vices because we have a handful of virtue. The devil is happy to let you have patience and all this other stuff. As long as you don't deal with this other thing over here. Right? So, we, we, golly, we are so broken. And the devil wins. Can I just, I want Sorry, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm taking the, the disposition of the church and just being very receptive to all of this. But no, I'm serious. I really, I know, I really am you are, actually. You are a no, listener. No, I was, I was like, yeah, that's <laughs> like, well, I, I'll, I, here, I'll just add this. Like, I've never really understood. Like, I don't like. I mean, of course, I've understood. We've all, I've fallen short. I've never understood the reality of that until I got older, mm-hmm. because you just start to see the consequences of it. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you just kind of stop and go, wow, we all really actually yeah. have. And somehow this still works. It's yeah. pretty mind blowing because when you're in your twenties yeah. or you're in your teens, it's like, yeah, like, yeah, 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 whatever. You can't see 20 feet ahead of you. But then when you can see tw- like 20 years behind you and you see yeah. 20 to 40 years at, you know, ahead of you, it starts becoming a little bit more clear, the profoundness of like how we've all fallen short. There's this wonderful podcast that Catholic Stuff did where they analyzed a couple Christopher Nolan films, and they were talking about Tenet, which I still haven't seen, which is awful that I haven't I'm seen it yet. And they talked about how it's kind of amazing that like you know the end of the film, like you know what's going to happen, but you're still seeing it all play out. And they compared it to yeah. the, the Christian life. And I was like, yeah, actually, <laughs> yeah. And it was really, really cool. Yeah. And this is what I kind of like, I think about that, like, we don't. I don't know where I'm going to go when I die. I do hope it's in in heaven, but I do know that Christ is going to like. I'm going to reconcile all things unto Himself, and I'm trying hard, and I'm going to trust in that, and keep going to the sacraments that you know He He has given us, and being able to say like, I know how the, I don't know how this is going to go, but I know how this ends, and having that in mind with this whole like we've all fallen uh, short is pretty mind blowing to be like, oh, okay, so I don't necessarily have to have this all figured out i know how this is going to end but i do have to try 
I do have to work on this. I have to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. And that means coming to terms with the fact of like the consequences of my actions, the consequences of our actions as, you know, a, as like a society and trying to be better and allowing God to reveal and to, and to heal. I, I want to point out what Lydia says in the chat. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Right? You need that. And here's a money quote that I just discovered from, uh, I believe it's from Problem of Pain from C.S. Lewis. We are not merely imperfect creatures who must be improved. Right? So it's not, yeah. We are, as Newman said, rebels who must lay down our arms. Hmm. The first answer, then, to the question why our terror should be painful is that to render back the will, which we have so long claimed for our own, is in itself, wherever and however it's done, a grievous pain, hence the necessity to die daily. However often we think we have broken the rebellious self, the rebellious self, we shall still find it alive. That was one of the most challenging things in my life. Was when I was in college, and, I, and, and when our professor was, was professor like food was just like, just just so you're all like aware, being a rebel is bad and anti God. And I was like, what? We're a country <laughs> built on that. Everything I am is in, ingrained in some sort of idea of revolting. Yeah, well, you know, the youth are revolting. Yeah, they, they sure are. All right, Luke, I love you, buddy. I love you. This was fun, everyone. Thank you to Joe for producing and editing the podcast thank you to decided excellence catholic media thanks to patty for joining us briefly in the chat thanks thanks mom my oven is dirty again oh no oh no and thank you to everyone for hanging out with us thank you for supporting the show now it'd be a good time to go on the patreon some good stuff oh man we got some good stuff coming some good stuff coming we could add some coffee mugs people are gonna have that a- access to only if they're on patreon so i'm gonna make it down and with the coffee mugs so alright and I love you and I you Everything broken and awful.